Hello everyone, welcome to this new episode of SheTex. I am Dr. Shima Beiji, founder of Mindfulness Engineering and founder of Mindful Smart Cities. And today I am very happy to have um, another um, session um, with uh, Lotte Van Lee. I hope that pronounced your name correctly. Um, and um, today we're going to discuss about uh, giftedness and fear uh, and facing our fears. Um, but before going to the topic, I would like you, Lotte, to describe a little bit about what you do. Of course, that you described it earlier in our previous um, conversation, but for the people that um, uh, just joined this uh, conversation, describe a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we start together. Yeah, great. So thank you for inviting me again for this session. An interesting and to me also important topic, facing our fears. So um, I work as a coach for, for gifted adults, adults. Uh, so the youngest person I've coached was nine and the eldest was, I think, 70. So it's a broad range. Um, very different topics we discuss, of course, relational topics, uh, identity development, uh, work, uh, hobbies. So I think um, that's an important part of what I do. And another important part of what I do is also I'm being a lecturer. Uh, so, uh, training uh, other people that guide gifted people, um, so, so how to guide them, what, what are the topics that are important for gifted people, how to understand giftedness, uh, what kind of experience comes along with being gifted. Um, those are two important aspects of the work that I do. And um, yeah, recently I also uh, launched my first book, uh, which is called Intense Men's. Yeah, thanks. And intense men's, it translates into intense human being. Um, it, it's a book um, in which I uh, present lyrical texts on giftedness, emotional development, creativity, uh, sense-making processes. Uh, so all the texts are an invitation for the reader to sort of, you know, really, um, yeah, take the space, take the time to, to feel and sense what is truly important for you and feel and sense the intensity that you truly have inside of you and then own it, uh, live up to it according to your own standards, your own values through a compassionate perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to think of these texts as a reminder more than um, something telling you what to do but more reminders of what is important um, for people that enjoy autonomous development and really feel that they need to develop their creativity, but sometimes feel scared, feel lonely, uh, do not feel connected and end up uh, worrying instead of creating. Uh, I think these texts are really interesting to read. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, um, I think maybe we can start a little bit by sharing what is actually giftedness um i know that um the literature of gifted individuals and gifted children uh, describes certain characteristics but briefly how can we define giftedness and um, for people who are listening uh, to this maybe um, there are really um, key um, markers that really says like um, the person has um, a high potential or gifted individual. What are those um, characteristics? 
Yeah, so I think that um, let, let's talk let's let's talk about this first a little, a little bit from a, a experience related uh, perspective because you know when I meet a gifted person, the, the, my first impression often is already okay. So this there's really a personality going on here. Okay, so there, I'm really meeting someone and. Well, everything else that it, you know that I had in mind suddenly just isn't really important anymore because there's another person with intense consciousness <laughs> contacting me. So that's sort of the first experiential level of what I experience as giftedness. Um, of course, there are these characteristics. So we have the intensity, the complexity of the thought processes, but also of the developmental processes. Uh, we have the drivenness also, but not per se according to standard norms course because also an important characteristic of giftedness is having a uh, potentially different very differentiated value system very uh, individuated value system um, I think those are the most important characteristics uh, so the intensity and in feeling uh, perceiving uh, sensing the complexity of the thought process, the complexity of the problems that they enjoy engaging with, the complexity of the environment that they tend to search for, um, and the drivenness that is part of, you know, what we call giftedness. But I think it's an important thing to keep in mind that we do not always see these characteristics on the surface, because throughout life, in a developmental process, uh, because of influences from the environment, these characteristics may not appear to be, you know, as valuable or as clear on the surface. Um, so that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, so I don't look at giftedness as something like somebody has an IQ such and such. High intelligence, of course, is part of what is gifted, giftedness, but it can be expressed through many different, let's say, channels, if you will. That is very interesting because uh, I think normally um, giftedness, I think it's defined uh, mainly through the channel of IQ and logical intelligence. And especially if someone does uh, really well at school or at university or uh, things that are um, considered to be smart, or, uh, uh, quote unquote. But I think the, the, what you mentioned right now reminds me of this um, theory of multiple intelligences of Howard Gardner, that he describes different um, ways that a person could be intelligent. Like one of them is like, of course, intelligence for mathematics and logics, but also skills and uh, apologies, intelligences that are not considered mainstream, such as interpersonal intelligence or spiritual intelligence or cultural intelligence. These are intelligences that um, are not really discussed well in the academic literature and also I think in identifying uh, potentially gifted and high potential people. Um, and I feel this is really great that you, you said, let me um, start with an experiential example because um, a part of really um, giftedness is about the experience that the person has and um, how they are identifying with that uh, with that experience. Um, wow. I mean, in my own um, experience, um, uh, I find it very difficult to accept my own giftedness. And I think this is not uh, something new. I think many gifted individuals or high potential individuals have really struggled with um, 
accepting this um, uh, concept of high potentiality and and also the um, the paradoxes that one faces with with accepting those, but then expecting yourself to be perfect in everything, but then finding all these imperfections, I think is really a um, uh, such a ground to work with. And I, I think together today, we can go a little bit deeper in these paradoxes and this um, um, seemingly, I think, disconnected characteristics and features that um, create the experience of a, a person that is highly uh, talented or put a high potential person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very interesting to dive into the topic. And, you know, also because generally speaking, when we use the term gifted, you know, there's these almost godlike uh, features <laughs> associated with the term gifted. Um, but then again, of course, we're talking about human beings, we're vulnerable. So I think that's, you know, that's the, the, the broad range within which these paradoxes arise. Um, the, the suggestion of uh, a great potential and then again, uh, the process in which these, this potential may become certain, uh, um, um, you know, uh, realized goals. But that process in itself remains quite vulnerable and is indeed connected to all kinds of needs and motivations that we have as human beings. So I think it's 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 interesting to to dive into this topic. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's so I think um, because today we want to discuss about facing fears of um, in in a multipotential, uh, highly potential. Um, and gifted individuals um, facing these fears um, in in a way I think uh, connects with this uh, accepting the humanity of the person right so that the person even though that they show um, or they have this um, great um, um, I think um, potential but they're still human and that means they are mm. really um, are not um, disconnected for from the uh, normal, uh, I think, uh, emotional needs that other individuals have, uh, which I find it, um, I think, I, I again relate to my experience that, for example, um, sometimes I, I experience that uh, some people say, oh, well, um, if someone is, uh, if you're doing well at something, maybe you're not, you're doing well at everything. So it's not really, um, well, maybe the person is struggling emotionally and um, yeah, yeah. how can we open this discussion and making it more normal to um, to discuss about, well, you can be extraordinary in one field, but still have these emotional vulnerabilities that are hidden uh, and they need to be uh, uh, cared for. Um, mm. So what are the strategies that you have? Uh, yeah. Um, suggesting the ways to to face these fears face this um, um, dualities let's say of gifted experience yeah yeah well, i think an important part of this is finding a common language to talk about this um, and of course that can be um, challenging because the language that we use is also processed through that giftedness. Uh, it's also a gifted language and not everybody may uh, understand that quickly or may mirror you in a way that uh, develops into clear self-understanding. 
Um, and then when that doesn't happen, we also have the frustration of the connection need, which probably will develop into less self-esteem, which perhaps will create a situation where you will not be so open anymore towards other people. So this is a self-visual circle, um, which sometimes happens. So misunderstanding leading also to uh, low self-esteem. Because one of the more, more, most important things with dealing with fears, of course, is being open about them because that will create a situation in which you can clearly see them and then you can think about okay what kind of smaller steps can I take to sort of uh, relax again a little bit into this reality of being both uh, or being both gifted and vulnerable at the same time and this openness or finding that common language about it is also difficult because um, sometimes these kinds of fears are also experienced quite intense uh, by gifted people. So um, other people might find it difficult to process this intensity, might find, may find it difficult to understand why are you experiencing this in such an intense manner? This has been a sort of a trivial experience, uh, so it isn't really important and now you're expressing all these kinds of emotions about it or all these existential questions uh, that may arise for a gifted person. Um, and in that process, it can also be very difficult for a very gifted mind to clearly see indeed what the underlying problem is, what the underlying conflict is. So even though you can create a lot of sense making because you're gifted, you can create a lot of new perspectives on your conflicts, that doesn't really per se mean that you understand it clearly. So that can make it difficult, you know, to find somebody that actually understands you, can, can um, has the patience and the inner mental space to, to connect with all these processes that are uh, happening at the same time, and then still uh, facilitate you uh, towards clear understanding of these inner fears. Um, something that I also see in practice is sometimes that exceptionally gifted uh, persons uh, can create quite fantastical fears about their giftedness uh, not being there anymore be, they, they, in the sense that they perhaps might be sick or there might be there, there might be something wrong with them instead of mm -hmm. uh, accepting their giftedness. So that giftedness itself becomes something associated with either uh, dis-ease or pain and often social pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, and this has all kind of consequences uh, with respect to self-care, uh, with respect to indeed uh, uh, taking the chances that are there to develop your giftedness or your multi-potential. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think in any case, for gifted people, it isn't really different than it is for other people. So seeing clearly what is happening and taking small steps to relax into the reality of being vulnerable uh, and thus developing your potential. But the process towards this clarity can be quite different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned um, quite interesting, I think, uh, terminologies and, and, and made me really think um, about this idea of, well, where is the self of gifted individual? Like, how does the concept of self in a gifted individual form? Um, this is the first question that came to my mind mm. and the second one was this interesting concept you mentioned about having individuals that they have inner mental space for the intensity of the gifted individuals 
this is um i think extremely important and i and i haven't yet found any anyone to really speak about this um um having these uh internal mental spaces for somebody else's um intensity and i think that would be really helpful to know what what are the practices or how can we um um develop such inner mental spaces especially i think maybe for partners of gifted individuals if the partners one of them is not gifted or maybe both of them are gifted so having this internal uh, mental spaces i think this is uh, yeah. this would be very yeah. interesting to know like how what, what are the character what are the ways to improve them and yeah 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 well the, i think the thing is with um with at least many gifted people, and of course not everybody, but the thing is that um, often they do have a very strong uh, internal guiding system telling them whether or not what the other person is saying has truth in it. Um, and sometimes that happens through, you know, emotional processing. Sometimes that happens more through cognitive processing. And of course, you have many other ways of processing information. Um, and so it depends a little bit on what the other person can offer the gifted person. If the other person is also cognitively gifted, then it could be very valuable uh, to really focus on what the gifted person is saying and uh, question whether or not it is truly true what they are saying. Uh, so they, the gifted person may be able to uh, diverge many different ways around their fears and create fears about fears and fears about fears, you know. Uh, but if another person is talking with them and can offer the mental space to actually move along with all those <laughs> uh, cognitive movements, so to speak, but also mirror back, hey, but is this actually true what you were saying? Is it actually what you experience? So it's great that you can have all these fantasies, but is it true what you're saying? That can already create uh, uh, you know, sort of fortifying feedback for the gifted person. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's cognitive regulation, of course. And not everybody can provide that cognitive regulation. And it's perhaps also not the most important way. I think that the most important way often is creating the mental space for the emotional intensity. And that is difficult if the other person isn't okay with their own emotions. So if you are a partner of a gifted person, you will probably want to try to fix the intensity. You want to perhaps, you know, your, your, your learned response may be, oh, this intensity isn't okay. The other person is suffering. But the thing is often that many gifted people, um, you know, have this high developmental drive. So even if they feel okay for a while, they will again start to search for something that is complex and intense for them to learn about and to in certain sense internalize also to integrate, let's say. So if the partner would say, okay, the intensity is not okay, that will be a rejection of the natural tendency of the gifted person. Uh, so it's truly something to, I think, almost meditate on for the partner. Okay, this is part of who the other person is, and that is okay. I do not need to fix it. I do not need to even uh, offer any kind of advice. I just need to be there and let the other person know that I will be there anyway, even though you will go explore <laughs> outer space. 
I will be there for you. And I think that's one of the most strongest messages a gifted person can receive, any kind of human being, but also a gifted person, because often they have the experiences that they are rejected because of being different, or they have these subtle yet expressive experiences of microaggressions towards their intensity. So mm -hmm. it's a strong message. You're stating, okay, I, 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 I the partner stating, I, do, I, I do not experience it in this way, but it's okay. I'm here for you. I think that's is really an important message. In a way, it's um, it's this um, I think space for for experiencing intensities. It's this um, you really make me reflect now on on <laughs> being able to provide that space. I think for another individual, indeed, I think this is one of the greatest skills that to learn, not just for gifted individuals, but really. Mm. Um, just receiving the information that somebody shares without adding to that or without trying to change that information um, so that to save them or to change them or to uh, what have you. I think that is really a strong um, space for, um, you, you mentioned cognitive regulation. Uh, that mm. I believe that we are able to, I mean, the gifted individual, I think, has this, um, you mentioned also intensities that, um, uh, I think it can be uh, really helpful in, in the silence that is provided, that is created mm -hmm. by a space of inner space of somebody else to to self-regulate the, the cognitive uh, component and complexity. Um, and also you reminded me this, uh, the theory of positive disintegration. You mentioned the gifted individuals um, have this uh, tendency to, to look for complexities or to make things complex. Um, I was wondering if you have any insight on, on how to manage this um, if the complexity is there and if the drive for creating complexity is within the gifted individual, can we uh, become more mindful of the things that we make complex? Like you don't want to make a complex out of like a complex infrastructure of your fears, right? It's better to create a complex theory out of like an idea of an art piece or, or other pieces that can uh, can provide a space for exploration of creativity rather than um, creating a castle of your fears and just living in there and being like, imprisoned by your own creativity. So instead of like you like being um, the gift becoming a curse, making it work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this touches really upon what we first mentioned, like that I refer to like giftedness being this godlike potential versus the vulnerabilities that we all have. So I think that a gifted person may start to make things complex, which we're suggesting that you should make them complex because that probably wouldn't give you the, the space, the energy, you know, create and focus on things that are interesting and valuable for others also, um, is when the human that they are is frustrated at some sort of level. Often, of course, related to their personal developmental history. Um, some sort of frustration with respect to safety needs or with respect to connection needs or with respect uh, um, to self-esteem needs and that probably will translate into that capacity to 
think complex and to understand comp complexity focused on who they are or on their environment, either internalizing or externalizing the problem of the frustration. And that's why I referred to clarity and another person facilitating them to question whether or not their thoughts are actually true in that sense, facilitating them in understanding what is the here and now, who they are as a human being and what they need and stating their needs clearly. Because once they will get those fulfilled, they will feel the self-esteem, the security, the certainty to focus on something that doesn't really per se directly have a clear goal or is ambiguous or is full of paradoxes and thus full of uncertainty and potential anxiety. Um, they have to sense and learn what it means to be a human being and what it means to fulfill those needs. Um, I think that will clear, that definitely help to think clearly about themselves instead of you know, creating complexly, complexity where we really don't want it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about uh, anxieties and um, being able to reflect on the nature of the thoughts that uh, the person uh, has or is experiencing with another individual. Uh, another individual. Um, I was wondering if we could connect this to um, this question that came to my mind and also it has been always my own uh, I think uh, maybe based um, of an exploration of giftedness that um, most of the time giftedness is uh, I think is defined uh, cognitively so the person is cognitively gifted so they have extraordinary let's say intellectual mm -hmm. capacities or ideas they have this like I want to say that it is mainly connected to the brain and the features of the brain and basically all the man mental uh, ecosystem of giftedness. But when we are speaking about facing the fears, we are potentially touching the bodily aspect of giftedness. And I know from my own um, research that, um, and also the theory of positive disintegration, that gifted individuals, they do have also intense inner body experience. So they really uh -huh. feel at a deeper level. They really feel anxiety at a, at a level that is, you mentioned also, that might be seen as a little bit too much or um, too um, uh, kind of uh, too much for the dose of experience, let's say. Uh, so how can we create a balanced view of giftedness and this mind-body connection of the person? So, because when we want to face the fears, fears, we cannot make a um, theory out of fears. We really need to face the fear and really experience the, and live the experience of what it is, what does it feel like to be in the fear landscape or in the fear space and the needs that we have as for the gifted individual have. Um, and the capacity to understand the bodily needs, the kind of, when we say like, what it means to be human, I think a large part of being human is just being able to live in this body, right? The physical mm -hmm. body itself is a challenge. So I want to connect and go in this direction of um, uh, experience giftedness from a body-mind perspective rather than mind-body perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think that, you know, to, um, there's something interesting when we talk about the, the complexity we may project into fear of the complexity of fear we can experience is that uh, indeed if we want to disentangle this complexity and recognize what kind of needs are reflected by it then one of the important th things we can do is listen to our body of course because the body sort of makes these movements out of itself so to speak uh, showing us really later on when we reflect and see hey this is what my body is doing what we need what we want and but the difficulty with fear is is that those motions are sort of stifled you know so our body really doesn't have the uh, freedom anymore to make those motions to make those movements uh, in, 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 in a free and open and spacious and, and way that, that also can feed your creativity very much um, so first of all relaxation <laughs> so the body needs some space to move needs freedom and needs to have the feedback that it's okay to be here where we are right now uh, there's not sort of a direct threat going on so relaxation deep re relaxation also because you know intensity drivenness complexity if you put those things together and you have certain norms of society and you have certain frustrations of needs, it can really develop into an over-focus on what other people want from you. Uh, um, and then your giftedness is something that, uh, you know, you're, you're self-sabotaging actually really, uh, or you're overcompensating in your work. And you're so focused on the needs of other persons that you really probably don't feel anymore what your body needs and what your body is telling you either through sensations through physical, physiological sensations or through emotions that it's showing to you, okay, this is what it wants. Um, so that's an important part, I think, deep relaxation. And also learning about how your body talks. Uh, what does your body really say when you learn about a topic, even when it's a very abstract topic? I mean, we've all been um, babies. <laughs> we've all been little children. Uh, and as I learn now every day with my own daughter, it's all about motion. It's thinking through motion, thinking through emotion, thinking through touch. That's everything that she does all day. And while she's doing that, she's developing complex schemas of the world that she can play with, with that contact, that content that becomes abstract. She can learn how to play with that when she's older. But now clearly we see a body getting to know the environment. So bringing back back that kind of knowledge about yourself instinctive intuitive um, how do you actually respond when you engage with a certain topic what do you sense in your body how do you process what you think about is that truly really cognitive or is it through what you're feeling or is it through what you're mentally visualizing or is it through what you are hearing um, so getting to know the texture of the giftedness really and if you try to get to know the texture you will probably know that it's it's a much more complex thing than just stating you have an IQ of such and such even though we may say state based on research that IQ can be highly, highly correlated to all those other things your own experience is much more differentiated of course and for some gifted individuals also, compassion. Because um, intense experience 
may be related to many painful memories with other person not accepting the intensity or experiences that are in intense for everybody with a sort of a cumulative effect of the giftedness, the intensity of the giftedness that comes along. And sometimes that may develop into even self-hatred towards the intensity. So that of course needs a lot of compassion towards just the vo being the vulnerable body, body. And then if you have this compassion, you can start to reflect upon how do I work with this body? How does it actually communicate? <laughs> What does it say, say to me? Um, and it's it's a highly fascinating process because if you get to know your body in such a way, you will see that indeed your giftedness is fully embodied. Um, uh, so there's there's the, your experience is 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 your stomach, so to speak. <laughs> your stomach is telling you about what direction you want to go with this research project. It's just that you have to learn how to listen to that kind of uh, language again. processing right now. Um, I, I'm very fascinated by the vocabulary you used, learning how the body talks instead of like body language, because everybody body, I think is different from somebody else's body. So, um, <laughs> And maybe this is the way, like, uh, I also really um, uh, appreciate this um, embodied giftedness that you mentioned. Um, moving in the direction of embodied uh, uh, experience of life and um, being able to, I think, in a way, the offloads intensities or maybe distributes intensities in a in a much balanced way so for yeah. example if someone thinks like uh, like a gifted person they feel intensity they go into their mental space they create really mental i think um arty uh, artifacts and also these infrastructures of different things in their mind but if they think, if they realize that the giftedness really is not about just being in your mind, but also really appreciating where, how your body is responding to experience, I think there is much more, I think there is this wider, I think, um, space of exploration of what is being experienced. And maybe it's not fear anymore. Maybe it's curiosity. Maybe it's just, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. once we kind of just narrow down the tunnel of experience and information coming through the body and mind, then I think it's normal to feel just the, like a scarcity mindset that um, I only have this one uh, stream of uh, intelligence that is coming through my mind I I am thinking about this experience I am I am thinking that I am afraid of something therefore I would like to solve this problem but maybe this mm. is not just this is not a fear this is something else maybe there is no. another information yeah. that is misinterpreted in the brain yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's 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 highly related to what I refer to with respect to recognizing needs, because you will you need the bodily information to recognize needs in a clear way. So this that's an important part of how to you know um, create a good life, so to speak. Um, and but and then we have I think what you also refer to the the creative aspect of it. So um, you know. When you start a creative project, it's often because you become fascinated by something. And you know, I, I and spontaneously when I say the word fascinated, my arm is pulled downwards towards my stomach because I know when I'm fascinated by something, I feel that in my stomach. I feel enthusiasm, I feel the urge really to understand it and to integrate it almost, you know, to absorb something into myself. So it's really a, a strong urge. But even when I say this, I have a tendency to think about what I'm saying and to generate uh, embarrassment. So really, do I want to state that if I'm fascinated by something, I almost want to eat the thing, quote unquote, because it's so interesting to me that my whole body wants to engage with it. Um, and I feel, you know, shivers and all kinds of uh, bodily experiences because it's fascinating. Um, or is it the other way around? Is it? I experience shivers and enthusiasm, not because it's fascinating, but I name it fascinating because I experience these kinds of bodily experiences, you know, so we have to sort of go back <laughs> to uh, who we are as a child. That's why I referred to that example of my daughter, um, because we constantly think through all these experiences, uh, but we lack mirroring each other with the right words, with the right perspectives. Um, it's not that if you do a research project or, or you do a PhD, it's not often, let's say, that at the end they will ask you to describe what the process was for you in a bodily sense. But it would be highly fascinating to discuss this and, you know, to create a common language around this because it's all part of the crea creative process. It's all part of how we um, uh, engage with a certain topic or research question. Um, and also indeed what you're saying is that uh, if we don't have a common language or if we don't accept that our body is talking in uh, highly differentiated ways, um, then there's a, quite a high chance that we end up having also a self-concept that is that is of which it's, it's, its complexity of the self-concept is highly reduced. And it doesn't really help you to make a decision in your life, you know, because you need to know whether or not you're fascinated by something, because if the idea is that you will dive into this topic for the coming three months, then it's very important to know that you're fascinated or not by the topic. So it's very important to understand how your body reacts. Um, so I think that's also a very important aspect of this. Um, and um, it doesn't really make it easier that, as we said in the beginning, that if a gifted person starts to talk about themselves, about fears and about the complexity of the fears, the verbal agility of the person probably doesn't make it easier for the other person to say, hey, but this is really not where, this is really probably not so important where we're talking about right now. This is not really the core of the issue. The core of the issue is somewhere else. Um, yes, I mean, um, um, you just gave this example of like a child. Um, I think 
while you were describing that uh, example of also your your own daughter, I, I was thinking that language seems to be really a um, double kind of edge sword. It's kind of like a way to communicate, but also a way to limit ourselves. Like it seems mm-hmm. that we need a new kind of language or new way of using language in a way that serves us and in a way that really is um, effective um, for true communication. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think we use that language because we move, but it's it's unconscious. So, you know, as a, as a coach, I often, during a conversation, mirror back the motions that the other person makes. Or just notice, just suddenly notice, hey, I noticed that, you know, uh, your hand is now on your stomach, you know, <laughs> you see? And that already gives a feedback, oh, okay, so something is going on there in my body. <laughs> that seems to be related to what we're talking about. And then that creates a new, you know, process of reflection and, and thoughts. So we do have this language, I think, but it's 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 subtle and it's unconscious. And I feel also it's hindered by this kind of being labeled as you're too sensitive. We don't want to be that sensitive anymore because I think we're afraid of being uh, labeled, uh, different labels basically, being too sensitive or being, um, I don't know what other labels that people give you, but I think the um, I think the kind of the label that is given to I think many gifted individuals just being too sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. But here we're talking about actually let's make peace with being sensitive. In fact, we need to become very sensitive in order to understand that life really um, is experienced. Um, in an embodied way and for that to really be for us to be really able to understand and to be in life fully i think we need to become sensitive to life so uh, i really feel that um, maybe one of the ways to really face fear is to is sensitivity mm. sensitivity yeah. like becoming more sensitive maybe yeah. provides more kind of um, perspective on what it is that I'm experiencing and really exploring the fear itself, right? Kind of fear, mm. like, like this is fear, but right, instead of just labeling this as fear, let's just become yeah. sen- sensitive to this thing that we are calling it right now fear. And and maybe we can explore it even deeper and, and through that exploration and through that sensitive curiosity, maybe we can learn much more information about our, ourselves. We also said like, the self of gifted person is really a complex um, self. That is, I, I think, from my own also like experience, is that the self of the gifted is really uh, in a continuous process of unfolding and uh, multi-dimensional um, becoming. If I can call it that way. Um, so really, being in this space of like continuously becoming. Mm. I really feel this requires a lot of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of celebration yeah. of sensitivity rather than a labeling. Like if somebody is too sensitive, that's really good actually because it's yeah, probably... yeah. Well, maybe sensitivity is also sort of a potential of intensity in that sense. Um, and maybe intensity sometimes is sort of an accumulated sensitivities that. <laughs> that really didn't have uh, other channels sort of to, to uh, weren't channel, channeled enough. 
and um, became an urge, which isn't a problem or isn't isn't a sign that there's something wrong or something, uh, but more like what what the physical process behind it is that in, in in the basis and as a potential, it's sensitivity. And what else are we then sensitive towards life? We are life, and we're sensitive towards life. And I think that uh, this sensitivity indeed uh, is at the core of being alive, but also of being gifted in itself. It's it's and um, if you are in this process of continuously becoming, uh, then you, so to speak, dare to be sensitive continuously. And we know that's difficult, but because we had have had all people have had you know very difficult experiences in which precisely that sensitivity um, has become a deep wow a wound uh, you know and has become uh, pain pain and 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 then we associate sensitivity with pain it's not even association it becomes something direct sensitivity is pain but of course it's much more than that and also pain is important. Also pain has an important, has very important information, uh, but the spectrum of sensitivity is much more wide. Um, and um, yeah, I think those that mirror themselves in intensity, if they can have a curious attitude towards intensity, I think it becomes something also very sensitive. And that that more lies at the core of what we call in intensity than maybe intensity itself. You make me think of uh, maybe um, promoting this uh, mindset of sensitivity is a bless rather than ignorance is a bless. <laughs> and <Yeah>. I think <laughs> it is really a blessful thing to, to, to have and to be. Um, I want us to move um, before going deeper in, in your book, also describing a little bit about um, your, your latest book, about um, the responsibility of uh, being sensitive. Uh, I was mm. thinking that um, while you were um, sharing about um, your thoughts on, on on being sensitive and the sensitivity being um, associated with pain and being uh, kind of trauma um, of um, being a gifted individual. Uh, I'm trying to connect that to the resilience, of course, that how um, facing those traumas really can improve the capacity for resilience and um, adaptability of the gifted individual. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about um, the responsibility of uh, being sensitive. Like, how can one nurture this sensitive uh, uh, capacity, capacity for, for being sensitive to life and, mm. and, and move further into the spectrum of sensitivity? As you mm. mentioned, daring to be sensitive. What are those mm. kind of maybe actions or steps or rituals that you you might suggest an individual can, can yeah. practice uh, to be able to to be to dare to be sensitive yeah yeah i think the first thing first is getting to know what kind of aspects of your autonomous uh, nervous system you cannot control <laughs> um so part of 
being human and being sensitive that is just part of it and you cannot control it directly and you need to befriend it <laughs> and also need to learn how how does it work you know in the interaction with the environment so there is this there are things going on in your environment and you might have the perception of a threat and of course there could also be a real thing. you have the perception of a threat um, and uh, of course that has a lot of influence on how you live with it with the sensitivity is it on alert constant continuously then it's really difficult to actually also dare to be sensitive because you don't have the body nor the mindset to be uh, open to be curious um, to be spontaneous um, so getting to know that part that is autonomous and that responds and has you in the survival modus, <laughs> that's an important aspect, I think. Um, then um, there are all kinds of rituals indeed that can help you to, uh, from an individual level, because of course systemic aspects are also important, but let's say the individual level can help you to create psychological balance. Uh, which ironically leads to being open towards more dynamics. But let's say the balance is created by rituals such as, of course, meditation, contemplation, creative writing, um, accepting that connection is such an important need. So um, reflecting on what kind of connections are indeed fulfilling for you and what kind of settings can you create that connection is also again in the future fulfilling for you um, and giving into the earth that a lot of gifted individuals feel uh, you make sense out of all of this you know to make sense out of life because if you don't pay attention towards that aspect of being gifted for many gifted individuals at least then that might develop into uh, uh, nihilism into sense okay this doesn't really make any sense this life this is really not you know what what are we doing and that can really be a energy draining experience so creating space in your life also to do things that at the core of your being feel as though you contribute to the whole that we are um, that backs up, so to speak, the gifted potential to think big and to feel big. So it provides space to be the person who you are, you are actually. Um, yeah, I think those those things are, are important. And of course, there are also the, the aspects of taking good care of yourself, taking good care of your body, and all these things that are at the basis also of feeling okay and feeling resilient. So on one level, is this healing dimension of becoming curious about the, um, can we call it the wound of sensitivity and how this sensitivity is being um, um, masked and it's being basically um, uh, judged uh, in one's experience of life. Um, so getting to know that, healing that part and becoming curious about the gifted, the sensitive part mm. and then also having the courage and also accepting the responsibility of um, establishing one's um, um, medium of experience in this sensitivity. So kind of creating a safe um, uh, place for experience and sensitivity. 
it's yeah. just like yeah. vulnerability like when you want to become vulnerable you don't you can't be vulnerable with everyone you really need to understand if someone is really uh, honoring that vulnerability and somebody that is safe to be vulnerable with and i think with sensitivity maybe that connects also to the responsibility that one can feel in order to uh, to create a um, to become first a safe person for oneself it's not just seeking other people maybe just becoming safe with who we are at core so mm-hmm. whatever i'm experiencing i'm willing to allow that to be expressed through me because well i am the one that is basically holding that container of experience let's call it that way and i i, I was thinking also um, about um the um the connection between um, the positive disintegration theory i like it that it's positive disintegration and not negative disintegration yes many people i think they discuss about the intensities and how they're being used uh, eventually as a as a as a kind of medium to create a further complexity and kind of on on earth much more of that potential in the gifted individual but i think you have um, really explored this um the positive side of it and eventually all these sensitivities are all these kind of intensities that the gifted individual is experiencing there is a positive connotation with it and i think i cannot yeah. um yeah. Um, uh, um kind of emphasize more that this i really am um, keen on creating a much more positive outlook on giftedness and really this is not something that you need to be afraid of this is something to be celebrated that and this is something that can be really used for not only kind of enriching one experience of life but also bringing much of more of that richness to the world for example with the with the book that you you wrote um that yeah, is well, part I can... of your yes yeah Yeah, well, I can I can I can give a personal example here also because you know now now the book is here, you know I can touch it, I can smell it, it's here. <laughs> um, but of course, that has been a whole process, and um, and it's a creative process, and in that in in that sense, it mirrors a bit what the Brodsky writes about in positive disintegration. It's um, and. You know, I'm proud, proud right now, and I feel spiritually connected to all those people that are interested in reading it and connecting with me uh, through these topics and through these reflections I wrote. But the process in itself was very brittle, <laughs> was very fragile. I mean, I uh, um, looking back at it, I can, I can, I can say, okay, it's about you know just sitting and writing every day. Okay, that's that's a cliche, but it's true. You just have to do it every day, but. within myself in my inner experience there were so many voices telling me that it was not okay what what I was doing um uh there were voices telling me okay i had decided to 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 throw away the idea of being a writer when i was 11 years old there was the voice telling me that this all this intensity that i wrote down was just sentimental woohoo and who needs to read about that um and then there was the voice that was just guiding me throughout the way but it was sometimes not really hearable so to speak that it 
there are really values that I process through these reflections that are valuable and that other people need to read about because if even there was one person that might find it interesting, then it's worthwhile writing the whole book. But of course, this is a, you know, a mosaic of, uh, <laughs> of, of forces going on inside of me. And even when I launched a book, Saturday and I give a presentation and people gave me feedback about how well I did and I was really in my own flow and people said to me you 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 seem to feel so comfortable and inside I had to learn a little bit because inside I was disintegrating I didn't feel quite comfortable at the whole time it you was were really positively disintegrating yeah but that's Positive, indeed that yeah. was the yeah that was that that's the message I mean it's if I feel the urge to create something then I will also leave something behind. That's just what it is. And the thing that I leave behind, well, it will start to pull and it doesn't want to be left alone. And you know, it, it wants my attention. And and of course, this is all about, you know, humans um, tendency to want to be in a com comfort zone. But that's just not my gift of nature. I, I want to create something, but when I create something, always I will feel disintegrated at some point and often more times and often um, it will go along with a lot of tears and with me you know internalizing all those fears and not saying anything for two days and then my partner saying okay what's wrong oh and then I start to cry and say oh I feel that it's it's worth nothing what I'm creating but I know essentially I know when I'm crying I know but this is the disintegration process that is positive I'm leaving behind something that even though it was painful in the past also, all these kinds of voices, rejecting myself. I was also um, attached to those voices because that's how it, how it works with us people, you know. We are attached to those things that are actually painful because we're also attached to, you know, people around us that do things that are painful for us. So we're also attached to those voices that are actually painful. But then they disintegrate during that creative process and all the emotions come along. And uh, yeah, oftentimes after, you know, crying for like five or 10 minutes, I will often say, okay, this is funny. Now I've learned again what is positive disintegration. This is part of it. Um, and it will happen again and again uh, because that's just part of the process. And of course there's more calmness and there's more acceptance uh, throughout the years. Um, that, that happens also. Um, I really resonate with you, with the experience of writing. I mean, when I also wrote my book, um, I felt really, it was difficult. I mean, I, I was also discussing uh, the process of writing with somebody else a few days ago. And I said, believe it or not, when I wrote my book, I needed therapy afterwards because I was so traumatized um, by the experience of writing my book. Because uh, as you, I think you mentioned it quite nicely that it's this process of really shedding off these different skins and really understanding different voices that exist in you and creating this conference, inner conference with these all these voices, each of them telling you something. But at the end of the day, I think uh, the guiding um, light or the voice that is within, I think that's the most uh, precious uh, connection that one can really uh, discover when, when we explore the process of creativity. And I think, I think creativity is really, it's a painful process, but it is a vulnerable process because you open 
up yourself you yeah. open yourself yeah it was just yeah yeah you, you, it was you just what i was receive. thinking about yeah yeah you yeah. to receive more information i think and you you expose yourself even to yourself i think that is something really vulnerable to really see yourself for what you are and who you are and um yeah. what you can become and um, i think becoming more yeah. intimate with yourself this is very yeah. i think uh, i think maybe this is the most beautiful and most difficult relationship to establish is to be with ourselves like this is the most difficult one i think it's much easier mm -hmm. maybe to connect with others because no one can really have this like um global kind of um access to you but you <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah we might as well yeah no yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, like I said, that, that I was during my book launch, I gave a presentation and I was clearly in a flow. I experienced that flow and I also had a, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I felt very embarrassed and it was all happening at the same time. So I enjoyed the process a lot. And it was a sort of a switch between, you know, going into a flow and going into self-consciousness. And, and then again, guiding myself back to the flow and then again, coming back to self-consciousness and this is this all is part of it and it actually gave me a lot of insight of the range there is within me now between what I actually am uh, capable of of actualizing so the self-actualization that was part of the creative process and I saw myself in this flow and I said oh yeah this is really this is really something that that fits me you know and and finally I saw it but I saw it from Quite, uh, uh, quite a distance because I was also so, so self-conscious and embarrassed. So I thought, wow, you know, what a difference there can be within a person between who you actually are in potential and what you create of, create of yourself through the internalization of pain received from the environment, of course, you know, feedback that didn't fit in the moment that it was given. Um, so it's really about exposing yourself. And of course, uh, especially when what you create uh, is attached to a lot of your personality. So, you know, there's a lot of aspects of your personality part of your creation process. And I think that perhaps is different uh, with respect to different creative processes, but from the gifted person perspective, you will see that the intensity makes makes it the way that you are really attached. You know, even though it, it might, might be something very abstract, you feel attached because you process the information like we talked about. You process all those information around the topic, whether you're researching something abstract or not, you're processing it also bodily. So, you know, it's part of yourself. It has become part of yourself. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, I, I, this is really um, connects with what you mentioned earlier about compassion. So you said I was self, very self-conscious and embarrassed. I was wondering if we could change this vocabulary to I was self-conscious at the same time compassionate because uh, yeah. because observing, when we observe ourselves, it's where we are being seen by the inner gaze and how you're looking at ourselves. Let's look at ourselves from the lens of love, from lens of compassion, yeah. rather than yeah. lens of shame and guilt. Because shame and guilt, um, I don't want to go to that um, today, but maybe in our next conversation. 
But those are these kind of lenses that were given to us by the external mm. environment. A child is mm. not born shameful or guilty. The child is really a blossoming, fully kind of um, in, in, in a really, I think, calm state um, um, before being really exposed to these um, filters that really colors the, the experience of that uh, individuals. So as we are moving toward the end of our conversation, I wanted um, us to, for the, for the last section, maybe discuss a little bit about self-compassion in facing those fears. How do you, if I may, uh, practice self-compassion as someone that coaches gifted individuals, mm-hmm. someone that is I think all you're surrounded by gifted individuals and you 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 kind of help them through this you hold space for them and you help them to in this process how do you help yourself how do you mm. care for yourself um, in a self-compassionate uh, journey self-compassion journey yeah i think it resonates a lot with what we talked about so one of the things that helps me the most is before I connect with another person to provide space for them or even before I give a presentation, um, or, you know, uh, I really connect with myself. And the first thing is that I connect with my, with my breathing, you know, so where's my breathing? How does it feel? Am I agitated or not? And um, can I influence it in such a way that I feel more relaxed and more calm? It's as simple as that because it's fairly important to first the connection with, with the breath, with the breath, with the body. That's just really one of the things that has helped me the most for self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is um, for one part uh, recognizing which thoughts aren't really true, which may appear, may may pop up. To look at and say, okay, it's just a thought. So, and it helps, of course, to meditate, to get in mental space, to sort of uh, disengage and disidentify with those processes. Um, and another very important part is daring to ask for help, because being a gifted person, I've learned uh, from a very young age that I am the one leading the other person and I am the one the other person comes to for help. So that really doesn't create a situation in which I could learn to ask for help, you know? Uh, So now being surrounded by a lot of people that that can create that space for me, I've learned that I can ask for help and feel vulnerable in that way. And then we just look at each other, you know, and we see each other's vulnerabilities. So that's a really strong source of compassion of course Uh, just recognizing that this is it okay we sometimes struggle and just stop the mental struggle towards the struggle and accept it it can be hard sometimes okay i still love you yes (laughs) and then you know there's compassion Uh, so that's also a very important part and for me also creative writing uh, so, so the urge to create, to, for sense making, the urge to to understand, which is intense within myself, I need to 
have something to <laughs> express this because otherwise it will go search for something to be a problem. So I love creative writing just freely, associative, not with a not with a clear do a goal on forehead. Just to see what is going on inside of me and to accept also that this is okay, now I see that this is what go what, what is, is going on inside of me and um, I'm okay with it. Um, and also through creative writing I also practice creative perspectives on the problems that I have. Creative perspectives meaning those that imply positive disintegration. So I try to be flexible, cognitively flexible. I try to see what I'm learning in a process, even if it's very difficult. And when I engage with these kinds of perspectives, I feel sense, sense-making, I recognize sense-making, and I feel okay, and I feel compassionate also about the process. So connection to the breath and the body, and or journaling, um, being able to, to sit with yourself, create a complex, uh, perspective uh, with the complexity of problems or not being stuck with the perspective that is not serving you and I think I want to emphasize I think this um, is very important to be able to to dare to ask for help be able to be in space of vulnerability with other person uh, I think this is something also um, I struggled a lot uh, in the beginning but then I'm becoming better at it and finding individuals who are able to hold space not necessarily adding something to sometimes it's not just getting something it's just being with someone and just being in a company of someone that is really just with you that's it and it's just the silence maybe just being together and the humanity of connection is something I highly value. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation today, Lotte. I'm very uh, grateful for our connection today. Um, I wanted to, um, for the audience, to know a little bit about um, information, how they can find you, um, how, how do you work with them, uh, how they can approach you, or how they can buy your book. Uh, I will also put yeah. the link of uh, your book um, uh, in the description box. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. This, the book now is only available in Dutch, um, so the, those for the Dutch readers. And um, you can uh, learn more about my offerings at uh, www.alotofcomplexity.com and that's an English website also. So it's about individual trajectories, but also about group trajectories and webinars and stuff like that. Topics related to giftedness, uh, woman giftedness, creative giftedness, emotional development, these kinds of topics. Okay, so, so yes. they can find you on uh, www.alotofcomplexity.com and also your book is available in, uh, in Dutch only. Uh, but yeah. I suppose that you have also some ideas or some maybe connections or links on the um, overall view of the, your book in English for the English speaker. Or, um, uh, no, n- n- not yet. But but it's but it's you know we've launched it uh, two days ago, so uh, okay. we'll probably create some or we'll receive some. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate um, today. Uh, it's always great to be with you conversation with you about giftedness 
has always been uh, have always been uh, amazing mm. i really really need time to process and to feel what you what you get to come back to you and i think in a maybe complex more complex way so thank you so much <laughs> um yeah like always you all the best uh, we connect soon again and uh, thank you so much to the audience for listening to this new episode on a giftedness and facing fears i am dr shima beji and uh, i wish you all the best